The Trek Files, Season 6, Episode 17, Portraits of American Genius, March 28, 1991. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, hello again, Star Trek fans, all you Star Trek historians, all you canonistas, I say that lovingly, of course, all you Trekophiles spelled with an F. Uh, we've got a new guest for you this week, and uh, we're going to be shedding some light on um, uh, yeah, an aspect of our, our late great Gene Roddenberry's life and, and some in, more insights into Gene uh, by someone who was there uh, very much on the front lines. So listen, as always, our, our documents of the week are right there on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Hey, we're the only podcast that gives you paperwork, right? <laughs> Go take a look. Uh, please look it over. Uh, there's a letter and a reply. Uh, here's an audio segment just to get you in the mood, but take a look there. Hang on. And then after this, I'll be right back with this week's very special guest. I am writing to ask if Mr. Roddenberry would like to be the first American genius subject from the entertainment world. I should point out that this is to be a serious portrait of the man and not another book on Star Trek, although, of course, Star Trek will figure prominently. The series seeks to capture the spirit of what we are trying to define as genius and its impact on American culture. Well, that's certainly the kind of lead-in <laughs> that we appreciate getting into here on the Trek Files. I, I listen guys and gals everybody i'm very thrilled to have our guest with us today because she was uh, a, a first person um confidant and per, uh, knew gene very well and majel and uh and wound up having her own front row seat to everything that was star trek so i am thrilled to follow up this letter and the response that you can read in our pro in our papers there i'm so thrilled to have dr harrison solo with us um at the time she wrote this book, she was with her maiden name. Uh, she's using Yvonne Fern. You'll see that in the book that if you uh, look it up as she signs her letter here. But, oh my gosh, Harrison was uh, has been an academic, a professor, an author, and yes, a consultant and advisor to so many, uh, and is so full of some great, great stories and insights. Harrison, it is so great to have you with us on the Trek Files, finally. <laughs> Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I knew you. I met you years ago when you were doing this book you've done so it was kind of an entree you'd been a fan of star trek but it was kind of an entree into this world and meeting these people and it, i know it changed your life because you wound up meeting herb solo and spending uh the you know ever your time since then and of course he he we, we lost him just a few weeks ago a few months ago um so i appreciate you being on with us today to talk about him but you've got a really unique insight on all these people and so many unique aspects of star trek and i guess was the entree in this book about gene that this letter sets up we've got susan's uh reply here that yes he would and and the date here people reading the date march 1991 know that gene passed away in october so just talk, why don't you talk to us about the story of this book and and you know what everything that that opened up to you 
Yes, of course. Uh, actually, I wasn't a fan. Um, my my sons were fans. They were watching Star Trek one day on television, and I was cooking dinner, and I heard this ungodly noise coming from the living room, and I went, went in there and said, you know, this doesn't look very suitable. Why don't you turn it off and go outside and play? And it was the uh, episode, um, I think it was a private little war. And uh, they... It, and then this woman was being attacked by men, and it just, I didn't like the look of that, out of context, of course. So I said to the boys, just turn it off and go out and play. And he said, my Christopher said, no, mother, it is quite suitable. And I said, doesn't look like it to me. And he said, well, why don't you sit down and watch it? Well, you know, from the mouths of babes, right? I did, and I thought it was amazing, the messages that were coming through, and it was interesting. So I started watching it with the boys. And I, you know, I thought it was very fine for them to watch and I was happy for them to watch the rest of it. I didn't really become a fan. I was, I was um, very involved in the advisory council on the status of women where I was an executive at the time and really busy. But later on, when my son turned 12 and I wanted to give him a, a Star Trek themed birthday party, there was nothing out there. There was no internet. There were no shops with these items in them. So I wrote, I found out, I don't know how, uh, about a woman called Shirley Mae Whiskey. Shirley Mae Whiskey in uh, uh, Massachusetts, and she was a head uh -huh. of a fan club. The Star Trek Well Committee. It was like a clearinghouse of information before the internet. Right. That's right. Right. The Star Trek Well and Committee. And that's how I started finding about what an amazing phenomenon it was. So um, when it came time, I was also, in, we moved back to California from Canada. I was in, became an editor at the University of California Press, a special projects editor. And they were very fond of my writing, the way I would rewrite academic books so they'd be readable to the general educated public. And they asked when they started this series if I'd like to do one. And I said, well, certainly, I'm not sure what subject to do to do it on. And then I thought of Star Trek because the boys were always talking about it and we had discussions about the meaning of it. And they said, mm -hmm. oh, we don't do television. We do cultural, you know, people are cultural icons. And I said, <laughs> hold it. <laughs> you know, science fiction isn't going away and this is a cultural icon. I just spent the last three years, you know, investigating it on behalf of my children. And, uh, I got interested in it myself. So I, I had to make a presentation. I had to persuade everybody. They weren't really fond of the idea at all. And uh, finally, um, they and We're talking 1990-ish, uh, 18, uh, 1989, 1990, yeah. 1990, yeah. 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 Right. By that time, I was also teaching at UC Berkeley and editing right. at the press. So um, I was super busy, but I thought, you know, this will be worthwhile. So I wrote the letter, found out who to, to whom to address it, and... Uh, I got a nice response back, and they asked me to come down and meet Jean, and so I did. I, I had no idea, Harrison, that on top of everything else, you were a warrior in the <laughs> in the pop culture wars. You 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 helped the geek. I, we yeah. often talk about how the geeks finally won, and you were you were yeah. right in there slugging along for the worth of all this. I had I didn't think of it in those terms, but there you go. So you yeah. you got their cooperation. I guess something about the prestige of University of California Press must have made Gene think it was fine. So, I mean, but this is, Gene was having his mini strokes by then. So, I mean, this wound up being much more than a book project, right? 
Well, yes. And because of that, I spent a great deal of time both with, with Majel and Jean together. I mean, and in Jean's office with him and then out to lunch with Jean and at the studio with Jean. He was all right when I first got there. Um, he had a couple of little strokes, but they didn't interfere too much mm-hmm. um, with the limited amount of time. I mean, I set a time for 15, 20 minutes, talk to him and then let him rest, you know, and he was fine. He was very coherent and fine at the beginning. But as time wore on, um, he wasn't. Uh, and it was very, very difficult to finish the book. It was almost impossible. And I thought about giving it up. And then Major said, no, no, you can't do that. We have to do this. And so I would uh, ask him questions. And um, he could, he certainly could understand, um, but he couldn't really speak too well back. So I would, you know, I knew the answer to my questions. I just wanted him to give it in perhaps different words because I read his speeches and the things that Susan and other people had written for him and what his ideas were or the ones he wanted to get across. So I would write some of the answers. I would show them to him. I would read them to him. He'd let me know if he thought this bit was good or that bit was good because he couldn't really, he wasn't a fluid speaker at the time. He was ill. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you talking about phases? Because at the beginning, because the book, you can, you obviously, and it, we're talking about Gene Roddenberry, The Last Conversation, and it's still available, right? It's still, uh, people can still find I don't it, know. I think. I think it was. Well, it's out of print. I mean, I know, I know the I, University I, of California Press sold right. out because uh, they told me. But uh, there was Simon & Schuster picked <laughs> it up and HarperCollins picked it up under another name. So maybe they're uh, there's three versions out there, not versions, but there are three, uh, pu- three publishers published it. Uh, right. And it's under your name, Yvonne Fern, Yvonne that Fern, you use yes. at the time. Uh, but what I'm saying is anyone that reads it, I mean, it, the book goes through phases yes. and it very much resembles the decline in Gene's health. And you're talking about yes. here when you're helping him get his, uh, yes. but in the beginning he was able to communicate, right? It's, it's when you got to the later stages that he was still communicating. Oh, yes, yes. Just not directly. Yeah. Yes. And some of the interviews that we did that were originally slated for the beginning of the book, we moved to the end. It doesn't matter because it was just a long conversation. It doesn't matter in what order those things happened. I went down so many times, stayed so many weekends and some weeks. And, you know, sometimes Gene and I went to the studio sometimes. And, you know, he was well enough to do all those things. So I spaced out some of those conversations throughout the book um, so that it, it wasn't entirely chronological. Right. It was chronological as far as his health was concerned, but some of those conversations happened at different times, but they were intact conversations. They weren't spliced together. Right. It's just amazing me, though, that you went down to write a book with this person and you just happened to catch this person in the last stages of their life. And then you were there. You were there for the end and you had some much more, much more personal moments there as his health declined than you than you expected going to interview somebody else for any other kind of book. Well, actually, I mean, it's hard to talk about because I mean, you were there when he passed, right? No, I, I, I wasn't. Um, I'm thinking of her right. now. Um, it's difficult to talk about, but a, a decline like this, because it, it's very recent in my memory for my own husband. But Majel asked me to yeah. take Jean to the doctor one day because she was, I don't know what she was doing. but And then she said, look, I'm, I'm going to make something that he really likes for dinner, but could you take him for me? So meaning take, meaning go with him because Ernie drove the car. So uh, we went to the doctor and when we got there, I helped him in and all the rest of it. And 
when they called his name, he came up and sh to the secretary and she said, um, name please. And he looked at me and he said, what's my name? And my heart just sunk, you know, what's my name? As from the guy I've been talking to about mm -hmm. cosmic, you know, <laughs> ideas for so long. Well, for hours on end. Um, yeah. And I said, I looked at the woman and I, I said Jean Roddenberry to him and he said Jean Roddenberry. And then I looked at the woman and she shook her head and I see, she, she, she asked him a few more questions and it was very clear he was having a stroke. So she, they called the ambulance and I went with him in the ambulance to the doctor, to UCLA Medical Center, to the neurologist, who, by the way, became a very good friend after uh, afterwards, because when they took Jean up and I was waiting to the, they went to take him to tests and things. And I was waiting in the doctor's office with him. He was the head of neurology at UCLA. Uh, and I was waiting for Majel to get there because we had called her. He turned to me and said, who's your favorite Roman emperor? And I said, Constantine. And he said, I've never got an answer. And I said, well, I have a favorite Roman emperor. So he said, oh my God, I have to introduce you to my wife. <laughs> you have to come to dinner. And so that's how I became friends with Lewis. Uh, his name was Lewis Rosner. He's, he's also gone. But uh, we, I got a friendship just simply for t accompanying um, <laughs> Jean to the hospital. It was, it was quite odd, really. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I stayed as long as I could. I had a, a husband and family, so I had to go back home. And uh, he died actually, uh, he didn't die then. I came, back to, I came back again, I visited him in the hospital. I took him some stuff. There was a lot of Michigas going around his uh, stay in the hospital, but he did die when I was back at my own home uh, in- uh, uh, October. October, October, it I'm sorry, right his birthday is August. It was like a week or two before Yes, that's Halloween. right. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the range of time I had, but it was so intense and so, um, concentrated in so many uh, hours that uh, I, we got to know each other fairly well. Plus the questions, you know, they weren't ordinary uh, sort of well, superficial questions. There were a lot of deep questions there. And then we went right. on other conversations. There's plenty that's not in the book, Larry. I mean, there's more that's not in the book that I wrote than, than is in the book. Um, so we just had to, you know, the book can't be 1700 pages long. So Right, right. Although there'd probably be some people who would want that, but so you have the you have the recordings, you have the notes of all of that. Have you ever I wanted do. to do any more with with what you had? That didn't I make do have it? all the recordings. Yes. Uh, well, no. I'm sorry. I didn't. I don't have all the recordings because at the time, well, I have a lot of recordings of Majel, <laughs> of Majel as well. Uh, I used to take my tape recorder everywhere and I'd say, I'm putting this on, you know, and she'd say, I don't give it. Well, so she'd say she didn't care and. Uh, We'd, we taped some of our conversations, which are pretty funny. Um, but I do have those, yes, and, and the interviews with Jean. Not all of them, because I stupidly, you know, I didn't think. I just turned over the tape and recorded over because I'd already made my notes, and I wish I hadn't. But I do have quite a bit, probably 12, maybe. Well, I, now I, I want to, uh, we should wrap up here for this visit. I, I'm already thinking that we have to, because I know you wound up, kept, you had a relationship with Majel and kept up with her over the years. We should talk about her, too. Maybe oh, you can yes. come back and talk. But as far as this book goes, in the, in later years, in fact, you you met Herb over 
kind of a revelation about the book, right? And just for everybody, we're talking about Herb Solo, and Herb took Gene's original pitch at Desilu. Well, as you know, Herb was the head of Desilu Studios. Lucy owned it. Herb ran it. And Gene came into his office with one sheet of paper um, with an idea. And he, uh, Gene and, and Herb worked on it for six months. And, you know, history was born, so to speak. Another person who worked on it was uh, Bob Justman. He came on later on after Bob, after uh, Herb and Gene had uh, sort of uh, made the, put the show together. And I became a good friend of Bob's after I interviewed him, Bob and Jackie Justman. Jackie and I became very close friends. We went out to the Getty one day. And when we came back to um, Bob's house, Bob and Jackie's house, Herb was there. I didn't see him. He was in the back room with Bob and Jackie and I were going to go and get some tea or something. Mm -hmm. And she went to ask them if they want him. She said, I, I want you to meet somebody. And I said, oh, who? And she said, Herb Solo. And uh, because Jean hadn't talked about him very much, which is something I'm not very happy with, um, I had a lovely relationship with Jean, but he should have told me a few more things. Um, I wasn't too familiar with uh, Herb's background. And so Bob did, though. Um, Herb came out and we were introduced and we got into an instant fight because um, Jackie introduced me as the person that was writing this book and he had his ideas about those kind of books and he was writing a real a book on the actual production of Star Trek with Bob and so we got into a huge fight. <laughs> I mean within five minutes, I'm not kidding. Um, and so. Uh, I mean, it's like a stupid Hallmark movie, really. You know how they always get in fights and then they fall in love. I'm so, I'm, I, that's the way to meet someone. I know. I hate to say it, but that's exactly what happened. But you know what? I knew from that second, and he knew from that second. Uh, that was it. That was you know, game over. We're together. This is who we're supposed who we're supposed to be, one unit. I just love that story. And and listen, we are out of time here. We need to go, but I have to have you come back and talk about more about some her and Majel and Herb and this this crazy this crazy life that that unleashed for you with all yes, these people. Yes, and so can many you, can you come back and so join us many again? other people, so many other people. Yes, I'd be delighted, Larry. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course, of course. And I'm and I'm I'm gonna not let you get too far before we have that second visit. Thank you. Okay. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. All of our documents and your choice to comment are available at Facebook.com/slash/TheTrekFiles. Now. For more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47, that's me, at LarryNemichek.com. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.